On December 10th, Azerbaijan held a triumphant military parade in its capital, Baku. Two and a half months after the start of a conflict over the breakaway Nagorno-Karabakh region in the west of the country, Azerbaijan had won a decisive victory against the local ethnic Armenian forces and their backer, Armenia. The trappings of victory were everywhere. The Azerbaijani flag hung from balconies and shop windows, alongside that of the country's principal ally, Turkey. Advertising hoardings and even the digital destination board on the front of the local buses proclaimed, Karabakh is Azerbaijan. You're listening to Beyond the Headlines. I'm your host, Finbar Anderson, and this week we're looking at Azerbaijan's apparently decisive victory in Nagorno-Karabakh and the prospect for peace in a region that has seen decades of war. 20 days ago, my son went there after the release of the country. Uh, my um, son went there and uh, he took his picture, uh, this picture there. These are the pictures of uh, Zangelan, our district, that uh, my son uh, took his. Away from Baku's plush downtown area, where the glitzy designer shops and rapidly growing skyline speak to the oil and gas wealth from the adjacent Caspian Sea, Hafiza Bayramova shows us photographs sent by her son of the hills and rivers of her old hometown. I want to cry. I want to cry only. Because these places are very dear for us. We again want to go there and live there happily. Hafiza, a polite, bespectacled English teacher, fled Zangalan via the nearby Iranian border nearly three decades ago during the vicious conflict between Azerbaijan and Armenia over control of the breakaway region of Nagorno-Karabakh. The apartment block in which she now lives is dishevelled, with dirty stairwells and dark corridors, dimly lit by fluorescent white lights. It was provided to internally displaced people, or IDPs, many years before by the government, and Hafiza has turned her small apartment into a cheerful home, with a small but tidy kitchen and framed photos of her children on the dresser in the dining room. Azerbaijani forces retook her former hometown in October, a few weeks after the fresh outbreak of hostilities, and Hafiza hopes she might soon be able to return. Every day I wanted, for about 27 years, every day I thought about it. I wanted to go, to return our home. If it is possible, I shall, uh, I want to go, but now, just now, I want to go there. Before, there was no, something strange. We don't know, suddenly began, they began to attack, to uh, kill all of the Azerbaijanis, to occupy our lands. We didn't know what is it. What changed? They occupied our territories and we, became refugees. So what led to the Azerbaijanis becoming refugees? For the roots of this conflict, we have to look back to a century ago, to a time of profound change in the South Caucasus. As the Russian Empire declined in the late 19th century, the Armenian and Azerbaijani communities in Nagorno-Karabakh began to come into conflict. After capturing the region in 1920, the Bolsheviks placed Nagorno-Karabakh the next year within the boundaries of Azerbaijan. In 1923, Moscow established a new independent province, the Nagorno-Karabakh Autonomous Region, with its borders drawn so it would have a 94% Armenian population. 
By drawing the map this way, the Soviets set the stage for a future conflict, creating a majority Armenian province within Azerbaijani territory, but close to Armenia. While the Soviet Union lasted, so did the status quo. However, as Moscow's power started to fade, the struggle over Nagorno-Karabakh once again came to the fore. In February 1988, the Nagorno-Karabakh Autonomous Region voted for its territory to be transferred from Soviet Azerbaijan to Armenia. Nationalist sentiment within Armenia was stirred, and on February 25th, more than a million people turned out in Opera Square in the Armenian capital of Yerevan, throwing their support behind the issue. Three days later, an event took place that would drive the region's Armenian and Azerbaijani populations apart, seemingly irreparably. As the dispute over Karabakh had come to the fore, hundreds of ethnic Azerbaijanis had fled southern Armenia to Azerbaijan, complaining they had been attacked and forced out. They gathered in the town of Sumgait, a few kilometres north of Baku on the Caspian Sea, and on February 28th, a mob rampaged through the town, attacking its ethnic Armenian population. Dozens were killed, and thousands of Armenians fled the city. After the Sumgayat pogrom, the minority ethnic groups of both countries fled for safety, with thousands of ethnic Armenians in Azerbaijan heading for Armenia and Azerbaijanis in Armenia going the other way. The 140,000 Armenians of Nagorno-Karabakh declared themselves citizens of an independent republic in September 1991. Two months later, Azerbaijan's parliament voted to completely abolish the region's autonomous status and make it a province of Azerbaijan. When the Soviet Union was officially dissolved on the last day of December 1991, conflict was only a matter of time away. The war that followed was marked by terrible violence and massive population transfers, and as it developed, resentment between the two sides grew with each new tragedy. By the time the conflict ended in spring 1994, more than 20,000 had died and over a million civilians had been displaced. Meanwhile, the Armenians had won a decisive military victory. The line of contact at which the two sides settled included not only the Nagorno-Karabakh region, but also huge tracts of Azerbaijani land that the Armenians claimed as a security zone. The town of Agdam sits at the edge of Nagorno-Karabakh with the region's mountainous peaks to the west and the plains of the Azerbaijani interior to the east. It was a thriving hub in Soviet Azerbaijan, with a popular tea shop, a bread museum, and a 100-year-old mosque. Hikmat Hajiev, an advisor to Azerbaijan's president, sits in a large, comfortable chair in an austere but beautiful late Soviet government building looking out over Baku and the Caspian Sea. He recalls his memories of the town. Agdam, I myself have been to Agdam in late 80s. I was that time I know, eight or nine years old uh, boy, uh, uh, that time in the Soviet Union. I was there together with my parents. I still remember Agdam as a flourishing city with a lot of green trees and a lot of uh, smiling faces and a lot of wedding parties. And by the, time, by the way, we attended wedding party. But I myself, really, when I visited with international journalists and diplomats Agdam after the occupation, I couldn't believe to my eyes. The entire city has been destroyed. In July 1993, Armenian forces pushed the town's Azerbaijani defenders out, creating 100,000 refugees. It was handed back to Azerbaijan as part of the Russian-backed ceasefire agreement, signed on November 9th of this year, 
that formalized the decisive Azerbaijani victory and saw Baku reclaim control over the Azerbaijani areas surrounding Nagorno-Karabakh, as well as much of the southern part of the region as well. All that remains now, the tea shop and the museum, are memories. The mosque is the only building still left standing, although the paint is old and peeling, and the charcoal streak of a fire scars the building's entrance. The Azerbaijani government has grand plans for Agdam, saying it will rebuild and restore the town to its former glory. But despite the government's desire to show off its newly recaptured territory, questions remain over how conclusive this victory really is. Baku's territorial gains have been unquestionably significant, but much of that territory is, like Agdam, in ruins. Many refugees like Hafiza have already stated their desire to move back, but demining operations and the need to rebuild whole cities mean that it will be years before they will be able to return. Meanwhile, a huge chunk of territory within Nagorno-Karabakh, including the capital Stepanakert, remains under the control of ethnic Armenians, protected by Russian peacekeeping forces. Major territories have been uh, you know, returned to Azerbaijan, uh, but as regard to some other places uh, that are still uh, you know, not effective control of Azerbaijan side, we are looking forward with a uh, model of uh, economic reintegration and a political economic reintegration model to uh, integrate them into the wider political and constitutional framework of Azerbaijan. Uh, because for us, as in every each country, territorial integrity is a fundamental principle, and territorial integrity and inviolability of the internationally recognized borders is a sacrosanct principle of international law. It must be respected. While Azerbaijani officials like Hikmet seem confident that they will regain control of the remaining territories once Russian peacekeepers are scheduled to leave in five years' time, the chances of the Armenians currently there simply handing over power seem remote. Furthermore, widely shared videos of war crimes committed during the conflict have further divided the communities and made Armenians even less likely to accept Azerbaijani control. From a wider perspective, the conflict seems to have cemented Turkey's position as a regional kingmaker. Ankara's drone sales to Azerbaijan rose sixfold before the start of the conflict and were crucial in securing victory. As Azerbaijani President Ilham Aliyev said in his victory speech, from the first days of the Patriotic War, or rather from the first hours, we have felt the support of Turkey. Neil Hauer is a journalist who has been covering the conflict from Armenian-held Nagorno-Karabakh. Turkey played a major role in inciting this round of the fighting in that Turkey, for ever since July, it's, it's the middle of this year, Turkey, which had always rhetorically and diplomatically supported Azerbaijan, but never tangibly to any real degree, uh, they stepped in and they provided a lot of military equipment, a lot of military equipment to Azerbaijan, including the all-important uh, uh, Bayraktar drones that were so effective in the conflict. Turkey stepped behind Azerbaijan diplomatically 100%, and they sent several hundred officers to guide and control this operation. And Turkey played, uh, so Tur Turkey suddenly stepped into this region where you had this conflict that was uh, a stalemate for the last 25 years, a tense stalemate with uh, Azerbaijan getting stronger and spending much more on its weapons. And Armenia content to sit in its position. Now you suddenly have this extra outside power for the first time really stepping in in a major role on the ground and encouraging one of the sides to restart the fighting. Equally, the recent conflict has boosted the image of Azerbaijan's autocratic President Aliyev, 
whose father took, and subsequently consolidated, power during the War of the Early 90s. Turkish President Recep Tayyip Erdogan was a guest of honour at the December military parade, referring to Aliyev as his brother. And what of the future for Armenians in Azerbaijan? One of the tragedies of the Nagorno-Karabakh conflict is that the animosity between the two communities is relatively recent. Those from an older generation such as Hafiza remember living side by side with Armenians. Four Armenian women uh, were living in our district. Even they have married with their uh, men. They have a family. However, for the younger generations on both sides, there is no lived reality of such intercommunal harmony, only the wounds left by war. And for Hafiz's generation, decades of conflict have irrevocably changed the relationship between them. We asked her if she could envisage a future where she once again lived alongside Armenians. If they want, if they want, if they live uh, without anger with us, we don't know, we don't know, uh, we don't say anything. It is their problem. Because uh, the, uh, these places are our uh, own country. They want, if they want to live peacefully, we don't say anything. Of course, there is, uh, there is anger because, uh, because uh, we had uh, two uh, private houses in the district uh, when we lived in Zangilan. But they uh, were destroyed. They always are angry. We were angry. Now they are angry too. We don't know. What they want, we don't know. They don't want uh, to live in their own country. They look for another land to occupy. Do you understand the families were forced to leave, like you were forced to leave 30 years ago? Armenians are forced to leave their country. It is not their country. They have left. They have left our country, not their country. Uh, they, they were born here, but it is our country. It is our land. You've been listening to Beyond the Headlines. I've been your host, Rimbar Anderson. Thanks this week to my guests Hafiza Baidamova, Hikmat Hajiev, and Neil Hauer. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, and we'd really appreciate it if you left a review. This week's episode was produced by Arthur Edison and Aisha Khan. <laughs>